0: Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm here with with Brett Jones. I was going to say like the Batman to my Robin, but I don't even know what that means. That didn't make any sense. I was trying to say like the, the pairing of the duo, but I just came up with nothing. Like I was trying to sound smart and yeah, it was that was just not good. So welcome to the podcast. Um... You know what I meant. It's like boy, a duo. Boy, it's... Batman, Robin, <laughs> but I know a lot of the times Robin gets kind of, you know, the short end of the stick because of whatever. So anyways, just envision two superheroes that are good at something. And that's
1: the analogy well, I was shooting for. I mean, you could go Batman and Nightwing because uh, that that was the older uh, Robin who uh, came back into the mix. Or you could also go, uh, you know, Justice League, the Wonder
0: Twins. Yeah. See, I, I'll be honest, man. Like, I don't know who the wonder twins are. I know what the wonders, the wonder years is with Fred Savage, but I don't know who the wonder twins yeah. are. Uh,
1: that's different. It's the old Justice League cartoon. And uh, if you ever look it up, it's it's not a compliment to either of us.
0: Okay. I, I, honestly, it, it, there's really not much to say anyways. Right. I always joke with people. I go, I'm good at two things coaching and cutting grass. The rest, I got nothing. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's it's your case, true. but I know you're good at coaching. I don't know about your grass cutting skills, but it is what it is. I so, push guys, a mower with the best of them. Yes, you can. So, um, <laughs> well, now that we've wasted about three minutes of your life, uh, we're going to talk <laughs> about, um, client retention. Here's why. Um, in the last i would say decade you're going to see or you've probably seen if you're in the industry all of these individuals talking about i can get you 100 new clients in a month or 50 new clients in a month and you know blah 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 and they're they're guaranteeing you all of these new clients to come through the doors right and there's nothing wrong with marketing and hiring right and 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 hiring someone to to get you to the next level there's nothing wrong with that but here's one of the biggest mistakes i see gym owners make is they hire a very pricey you know, service. It could be something like a gym launch. And look, I'm not saying gym launch is bad. They actually have some really, really good content, but it's an investment. So a lot of people will spend $15,000, $20,000 a year on these systems to get new people through the door, uh, new people through the door, but only to find what they're selling sucks. They have no systems that will actually keep their clients staying with them. So they spend all of this time getting people through the door, but what they're selling is rubbish. And in my opinion, get good at your craft, get good at what you do. And then you can start to bring people through the doors. But listen, if you are not retaining your clients, you don't have to get more new people through the door, which will leave. You need to learn how to retain the current clients that you have. And and I don't care if you're in physical therapy, physical therapy, massage therapy, Personal trainer, you name it. Any type of client uh, relationship. It could be sales. It could be whatever. You need to have a strategy on how to retain clients because retaining a client is is one of the best ways to be the most profitable. So you know, here's some simple math for you. And this is something that uh, a lot of people do not focus on. So let's say, and and again, I'm going to bust out the calculator just to make sure I'm doing this correctly. But let's just say. You're running personal training sessions, right? And you're running uh, those personal training sessions and they're $85, uh, $85 per session. All right. And let's say that we take that 85 and we miss some days, but we times that by 50. All right. That's $4,200 a year. So if you double that, that's almost $8,500 a year, right? So you've got $8,500 a year that you could potentially make if you train a client twice a week for the entire year. You do that over the course of 10 years, you're going to have $85,000. That's the thing people don't think about. They think about trying to get new people, new people, new people, but they're not doing the math and they're not looking at the value, the total value of a lifetime client. Um, I have a lot of people that have trained with me for 10 years and it was just crazy to see the math, to see the math, to think, wow, These people have paid me almost a hundred. This one person has paid me over a hundred thousand dollars, which is crazy to hear, but it's been over the course of a decade. But here's my point. Before you spend all this money on trying to acquire new clients, you should focus on retaining the clients that you already have. And and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some simple, simple tips for client retention. And, uh, this is going to be 10 tips. It's going to be like a top 10 list. And, uh, this is something that I sort of wrote a long time ago, and Brett and I uh, discussed um, You know, a handful of these topics, and he's going to add his two cents worth as well. So uh, let's start with number one, build a rapport. Okay, what does that mean? Listen, you have an opportunity early, early on when you meet this individual. It's like a first date. That is when you want to build your rapport with your client. Why is it important? Because if people don't like you, they're not going to spend money to train with you. So when you first meet someone, it's like a first date, right? First impressions are everything. So you have to be able to build a rapport. And how do you do that? Well, a lot of the times you have to ask a lot of questions and then just shut your mouth. Let them answer. Let them speak. Do not interrupt them. And ask them about their job, their kids, their likes, their dislikes. Um, You know, just listen, ask them the questions and then listen, because, um, if they don't think that you care about them and their well being and their success, they're not going to spend money with you. And it's, it's the old saying, you know, people, um, what was it? People don't know how much they care about you until you show much they care or something along the lines of that. Right. That's you. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Yeah. See, I'm I'm a mess today. It's this and, and Batman and Robin. I can't get it together today. So good thing Brett does, but it's the truth. And, and I always hear coach Boyle talk about this, be a, a certified, nice person, right? The CNP. Be nice. That's like the first thing. And and they say it in Roadhouse. So if it's said in Roadhouse and it, Mike Boyle says it, it's got to be good. It's got to be true. It's got to be true.
1: I saw it on saw it on the Internet. Yeah. I mean, building rapport. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm not the world's biggest sports fan. But when I was actively training people here in the Pittsburgh area, I could tell you what was happening with the Steelers. I could tell you what was happening with the Pirates. And I could tell you what was happening with the Penguins. And those are just super easy areas to start to, you know, build a little bit of rapport and friendship and, and start conversations. <laughs> bah, God, you see that move the, the, the Pirates made in the seventh inning? My goodness, I, I can't believe they subbed him out. Like just little things like that. If if you're in your area, you're going to talk about New England, Boston Red Sox, and I don't know if you guys have a hockey team.
0: I, I don't. I don't follow with that uh, that closely. No, they they really not really. No, just for clarity, are you talking real pirates? Or the Pittsburgh Pirates? Because, you know, there are real Pirates. Just just Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. I just, I wasn't sure if we were going like Bermuda Triangle, like talking about, you know, disappearing ships. Okay. So we're talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, You know, all joking aside, um, I'm pretty sure that Boston (laughs) does have a lot more championships in general than Pittsburgh, but whatever. We can talk about that (laughs) later. Wait a second. Uh, We'd have to do the math. We'd have to do the math, but I don't know. It's tough to beat Boston with the Bruins, with the Red Sox, with the Patriots.
1: Next podcast, we'll have run the numbers and we'll see who the you can really do that because I don't care. You can,
0: you, you can run all the numbers because I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I really don't care. So,
1: but this is an example of building rapport,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? This is being able to take a conversation, go in a couple different directions, have some laughs, you know, have that easy, open conversation remember well a hopefully you remember your clients names but uh remember what they've got going on hey you know you you told me last time about your mother-in-law how how's she doing like is she yeah. uh, she doing okay um all of those things hey I, I know your kid had a big game coming up how how how'd little Susie do um you know all of those things are just really good but to the point of certified nice guy and, and everything else like Greg Rose talks about it if I don't want to go have a beer with you probably not gonna hire you. Yeah. Because you're probably just not much fun to be around. And you know, you yes, people are there for results. Yes, people are there to to get their work done. They have to enjoy doing that. And they have to want to invest in being around you. And um I've developed friendships over the years. I've been in this business for over 25 years. Now I've moved and and but wherever I've gone, I've had long-term clients.
0: And part of that big part of that is just being able to build rapport. Absolutely. And you know, if number 1 is uh you know, to build a rapport, number 2 is is to connect on a personal level. And and those two definitely go together. And and Brett just discussed on that is, you know, you got to got to kind of know what's going on in their lives. And uh here's a perfect example. If you train someone on a Wednesday or a Thursday, at the end of the session you go, "Hey uh hey so and so, it's good to see you. Have a great uh you know, obviously you're talking within the session." Any plans for the weekend? What do you got going on this weekend, next few days? They're gonna be like, I've got blah 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 and blah blah blah. All right, cool. When you see them on Monday or Tuesday the next week, hey man, how you feeling? And how was blah, 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 blah. So what you do is you ask a question on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then you follow up on that question in the following week. So therefore, you have a conversation builder every single time. And you're showing interest and be genuine, right? Be genuine because look, people will see right through you. And if you're just giving them a load of bullshit, they're going to be able to tell. So be genuine because listen, you really should care about your clients. If you don't care about your clients, get into a different industry, right? Don't, don't become a personal trainer because caring, um, is, is a big part of what we do. So make sure that when you, you know, when you do ask people that you're sincere about it and you're not just doing it because we told you on a podcast. Well, and here's the difficult two-way
1: street. In that, is you need to share some information as well, and you're you don't need to reveal the deep, dark stuff, right? Exactly. Um, this is where you're sharing, you know, it's okay, it might be a little more surface level, it might just be some plans for the weekend, it might be, God, I went into you know, I was car shopping and man you wouldn't believe what the salesperson did like but you need to have, have some things to share it can't mm-hmm. be a one way street on their side where they're constantly revealing themselves and then you're not given anything mm-hmm. but you also don't need to reveal all the deep dark stuff mm-hmm. the that person that's coming in while they may be a friend and they may care about you it's their hour and so it's not your therapy time it's their therapy time and so you can't you know unload and use your clients as your your therapist or your sounding board um there's there's communication there's rapport there's a personal connection but it's it's with some guardrails right so um and and i i've seen um, i've seen trainers make this mistake i've seen trainers go too far of involving somebody in their life. Um, and it ends the training relationship. Uh, so you, you do need to be careful with, with how you're setting those guardrails. You need to share enough to have the personal connection, but be careful about sharing too much.
0: Yeah. It's all about healthy boundaries and, and whether or not that's with a client or a friend or a family member or whatever, just healthy boundaries in general are not a bad thing. So, um, and and look, this the relationship will change over time, right? At first, you're not going to sit there and vomit on someone, everything. But like, I've got some clients that um, i literally trained for 10, 10 years. I have clients that followed me from gym to gym a long, long time ago. And we have, I mean, we have so much to talk about. We talk about just about everything, right? I mean uh, you know, these, these individuals know about my family and what they do. And I'm okay with that, but I don't come out of the, it didn't come out of the gate like that. Like these people knew me before I had kids, like before I had a family. So, um, the relationship will evolve. Um, and just as the relationship evolves, the boundaries will, will change. Right. And, uh, just, just pay attention and make sure that, um, there's always that level of professionalism because it can be, it can be sticky, right? It can be sticky and you don't want to jeopardize a relationship because you're, because you're oversharing. Right. So um, I think it's just important to, uh, you know, find the connection, find the authentic connection, but um, remember uh, they are hiring you and you are there in part to listen. Right. I mean, I hate to say it, but we're kind of therapists in a way we're not, you know, certified or licensed therapists, but people are going to tell us about their lives and about their struggles and about this and that. And we have to be good listeners. And, and that is why number three is about communication because communication makes the world go round. And, and I'm a big fan of over communicating with, with my clients. And even early, early on, when someone comes into the gym, we do our consult, you know, I tell them, Hey, look, if we're doing an exercise and it doesn't feel right, find a coach. If you aren't sure of your technique, ask a coach. Um, if you're not sure what weight to use, ask a coach, like ask as many questions as you you need to ask to feel comfortable within our gym, because if we do a really good job answering all those questions and getting them the information they need early, early on, you're going to spend the first four to six weeks kind of walking uh, beside them down the road. It's going to get so much easier because they're going to already have those, those questions answered. So I think a big part of it is again, just communication and, um, and And just asking the right questions, like a uh, perfect example. I had a client that came in the other uh, the other morning, Tuesday morning, and we have him. um, we've been deadlifting um once a week. every every Tuesday, we deadlift. and we're starting to get to a point where it's, you know where he's at. We're doing heavy triples, and it's getting fairly, fairly heavy for for this individual. So he came in and he said, "Hey, Mike, you know, I you know had a crazy night, didn't sleep uh, busy over the weekend. i'm I'm a little banged up. He's like, "What do you think? I go tell you what? We're gonna do our normal plan." And for the deadlift today, all we're going to do is still going to deadlift. We're just going to start lighter. Okay. We were planning on doing three by three. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go, we're just going to go three by five today. We're going to increase the weight. I mean, sorry, decrease the weight a little bit, increase the volume a little bit, and just get some practice in. And that's going to be a setup day because I know that you're not feeling it. You're a little tight. You're a little tired from not sleeping. So we communicated about a game plan right at the beginning of the session for his deadlifts and it worked out perfectly. And he had a great training session. He actually did a lot better than he thought he would have, but we addressed what could have been an issue early on. And that made the session that much better. So knowing what's going on for the weekend and having, having a type of relationship where a client can come in and go, Hey, look, I'm I'm not feeling great. I'm banged up. I traveled. I did a bunch of yard work. All that stuff is super, super important because you may have to on the fly, make a change. And, you know, if you're going to do a heavy, heavy deadlift on a certain day and that client did not sleep or they had family issues, that is not the day to do the heavy deadlift.
1: Definitely. So the opening those doors to communicating and and letting somebody know that it's okay, that, that they have ownership of, of what's going on, uh, they're involved and, and um, Clarity in communication. Uh, one of my favorite quotes right now is from uh, George Bernard Shaw. Uh, the biggest illusion in communication is that it's happened. And <laughs> you can say something and either the person might not have caught it. They, they were mentally, they were someplace else. They might have heard it and they don't know what it means. And they're afraid to ask. Um, I'll use the example of a single leg deadlift. Single leg deadlift usually go with a contralateral load. Well, you have to be sure which leg the person's thinking about, or what (laughs) side they're thinking about. Because I've given people single leg deadlift and said, "I want you, I want it in the in the hand opposite, you know, the leg." Well, if they're thinking about the leg that they're reaching with, instead of the leg they're standing on, that's an ipsilateral deadlift according to the stance leg. I'm thinking of the stance leg. I want it in the hand opposite the stance leg. That's not what they were thinking. They were thinking. The leg that i'm reaching with so i always ask now i'm like hey single leg deadlift which leg are you thinking about you thinking about the leg you're standing on or the leg you're reaching with well it's the leg i'm reaching with then i want it in the uh opposite hand to that leg or the same hand as that leg and if they, they say stance leg i say okay give put it in the opposite um it's just if if you you've been an instructor for a long time you've done group x if you're facing the crowd and you say to the people you're teaching that you want them to do something with their right hand, you need, and that you want them mirroring you, you better be doing it with your left hand. Yes. It's flipped. Right. So clarity in communication goes beyond just opening the doors of communication. It's making sure the illusion of communication is not there. Um, you want to make sure that you're speaking, uh, quote, the same language, and I'm okay morphing that language to the person who's hearing it, right? Like I said with single leg deadlift, if you're thinking of the leg, you're reaching back, I want it in the same side. If you're thinking about the leg that's on the ground, I want it in the opposite hand. Um, that, that's actually the same hand. <laughs> it's just said a different way specific to how the person's thinking about it. So clarity and communication can cut on, on many levels. And you want to make sure that as you start developing that, uh, that relationship, Hey, this single leg deadlift, you know, when I'm doing it, I'm thinking about the leg I'm standing on. What, which leg are you thinking about? Just start asking
0: those questions. Cause you might say, right. They think left. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, a, another, another component of this is th- the language that you use. And, you know, Brett was talking about contralateral and ipsilateral and all this other stuff, guys. Your clients don't know what that means. So you start you start reciting contralateral, ipsilateral, uh, glute medius, uh, like all this, you know, trainer talk to make you sound fancy. All right, here's what I need you to do. Stand on your left, grab the kettlebell with your right. With your right. Stand on your left foot, grab it with your right hand. We So we do a cage-assisted single leg deadlift in our group training program. We put, you know, all of our clients in the middle of a cage, like a four-foot cage, and we have usually a box in the middle because we bring the floor to them on their deadlift. We say, all right, guys, here's what I need you to do. Stand on your left leg next to the kettlebell. All right. Is everybody doing that? All right. Now take your left hand, place your left hand on the cage. That is for a little bit of assistance. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to hinge down, grab the kettlebell with your right hand, stand all the way up when and it's repeat. And you wouldn't believe how many people have a tough time with the left and right. So if they have a tough time with left and right, contralateral, ipsilateral, <laughs> it's going to goof them up a little bit. And look, Depending on who you're working with, some people appreciate that language, but a lot of people are just going to get lost. So um, communication is important, not so, only the relationship, but the words that you use. Uh, uh,
1: another somewhat funny an- anecdote about that, um, I uh, I have a tendency to call things by just goofy names. So to most of my clients, single leg deadlifts are single leg dippy things. Yep. Um, and so... When I left a, a job and uh, eight plus years Perfect. ago, when I, I left a job and transferred my clients to other people, my students to other people, uh, the trainer who I knew uh, who was taking over for me with this particular client said, uh, "Oh yeah, next we're we're gonna do some single leg deadlifts." And my client's like, "Hey, that's exciting. I I've never done a single leg deadlift before. I don't I don't know what that is." And and Ryan, my, the trainer, it was like, you know, what do you mean? You've, I've seen you do it with Brett. And he demonstrates the exercise and my client goes, those are single leg dippy things. I didn't know they had a real name.
0: <laughs> I love so, it.
1: So sometimes you can go a little far with the uh, unique communication with your uh, with your clients, but it's, it's fun. And then I got to laugh at that client because he didn't know what a single leg deadlift was, even though it was my fault. But I still laughed at them.
0: It's part hey. of my charm. Hey. <laughs> Hey, if you're, if you're, if you're laughing, you're probably learning. Right. And I've heard, uh, I've heard some guys exactly. say that at one point, um, exactly, but, but here's the scoop, you know, in, in Brett's defense, if you will, they're going to remember the dippy, like just the funny word of the dippy thing. They're going to remember <laughs> that versus the deadlift. Um, I, I do that with a bunch of exercises. If I'm working with someone and I know the name of the deadlift, I will let them name it because if they name it, they're going to have ownership. And then the next time we see that in the program, they're going to be like, that's the, and it could be a silly, funny name, but it doesn't matter if it's a silly, funny name, as long as they do it right. Like I always, you know, I always goof with some of my, uh, some of my athletes at the end of a workout. We'll just do, you know, a little buys and tries. I'm like, all right, we're going to do some biceps for this. And we're going to work the triceratops. This is the, this is the exercise. I want you to work the triceratops. And I get a look and they're like, wait a minute, that sounds right, but I think it's wrong, but it doesn't matter because (laughs) they're having fun and, and they're laughing and they're learning. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So, you know, a big part of it is, is absolutely the communication. Um, number four, providing direction. Um, if you're getting hired as a professional coach or a trainer, people want to know that you have your, your shit together and they want to know that you have a plan for them. Um, Here's the analogy that I like to use. If you're going to hire a contractor to work on your house and you're going to spend a lot of money to, you know, do a renovation, um, you want to speak with the contractor and you want to know that they have a plan for you. You know, step one, step two, step three. They want to be as organized as possible because if if you meet with them and they have a plan and they seem to have their you know their stuff together, you're more apt to hire them. If they go. Yeah, we're just going to we're gonna do some different stuff next week and see how it goes. I mean, that wouldn't work in the world of hiring a contractor. So why would that work in the world of hiring a strength coach or, or a personal trainer? And, um, you know, I think just, just letting your clients know that you always have a plan for them um, is a good thing. And it doesn't have to be this long term. This is our 10 year plan, but it could be with one exercise. Like I was uh, doing some uh, working with a client, ACL. 10 months out. She's, she's getting, getting to the point where she's ready to get back out on the, uh, out on the pitch here. And uh, we started, we're, we're incorporating um, a ton, a ton of single leg work right now. Every single time we train, there's a single leg variation. And one of the things I'm telling her is, Hey, look, I know right now what we're doing may seem easy, but the goal for this specific single leg exercise, we want to improve the range of motion. We want to go as deep as possible on this single leg squat variation before we decide to add a load. Right. So we're going to work on range of motion before load. Now, once you get to a point where we feel like your range of motion is where it needs to be, then we're going to stack load on top of that. So within that whole entire 45 second conversation, I told her this is the direction we're going on these three exercises because this is why it's important. And I think we need to do that more often. And I think we need to tell people, hey, this is where we're going in our next program. Or if you're getting to the end of a four or five week program and you've got a week left, maybe a week and a half, start to talk to them. Hey, look, here's what I'm thinking on the next program. Um, You know, this month we were doing fives on our deadlift. We're going to switch to triples for the next month and we're going to program it out like that or vice versa. Or maybe you just finished a bunch of of singles on your deadlift. Now you're going to reboot. You're going to go back to fives. But you need to let them know about that process because if they don't know what you're talking about, they're going to be like, well, I did 200 last week for one. Why am I doing 160 for five? And it's like, well, because we're actually rebooting a brand new cycle. So I just think that the communication aspect, but making sure that when you communicate, they know that you have a plan. It's super important. So make sure you provide direction and and let them know where you envision the journey. And I would pair with uh,
1: direction perception, mm-hmm. uh, was having a client, a conversation with a client. Um, and they were saying, um, my, the student was saying, and, and I use student and client interchangeably much to the chagrin of, of, uh, certain uh, people. But, uh, I, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm working, working with this person and, and they, they literally said, well, I haven't worked out in a year and I'm like, well, wait a second. I've been around during that year. I happen to know for a fact that you have worked out. (laughs) It's you have not not trained in a year. I'm like, wait a second. Do you? And I stopped him. I said, do you did you hear what you just said? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, you just said you hadn't trained in a year. I've been here. I you've sent me the videos. I know that you've trained this year. What's going on there? Like, what's why do you feel like you haven't worked trained in a year? And it's a being able to catch those conversations, being able to prefer, provide perception on progress, because sometimes the person that you're working with is not going to really appreciate how far they've come. You are in a position to step back and say, "Look, this is when we started." And I do this with, yeah, uh, you know, I've had students that have started with like twelve kilo get-ups. Well, they're doing twenty-four now. That's tremendous progress but they're frustrated they're not at 28 kilo I'm like whoa whoa hang on remember when you couldn't do the 16 and we were training with the 12. now you're now you're complaining because you're not able to do the 28. we're going to call that progress uh and this is something to be really happy about and so provide direction but also provide uh perception um, and be able to catch people on where they're maybe not giving themselves enough credit or where they're giving themselves too much credit oh my diet's perfect really because <laughs> you just told me about how you were out drinking pizza drinking pizza there's a good one <laughs> I tell you what
0: depending on the night I may have drank pizza at one point <laughs> and I drinking may drink
1: beer and eating pizza Hey, whatever works. So, <laughs>
0: hey,
1: flip it however you want, but uh, yeah. So, I I think provide direction, uh, be clear in your communication, but provide perception as well. Be able to have those conversations with folks
0: that, you know, hang on. This this is what I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. So, I I think when all outs fails, drink your pizza. <laughs> that Sorry. sold winner winner sold. chicken winner. Sw- <laughs> That's it. Um, moving on. Number five, energy. Now look, before we have the energy talk, um, I'll be the first one to admit I am not a rah, 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 like go, go in your face screamer. Like that's just not me. Um, There are some coaches, that's their thing. And, and they do a fantastic job of that. And look, if there's a coach that brings a ton of energy and get you fired up and you like that, awesome. Every coach is going to deliver their message and it's going to have a a different personality. So when I say that I'm not a rah, rah, rah energy guy, it doesn't mean that I don't like that or I don't think that that's a good thing. It's just, that's not me. And and I would not be authentic um, if I was all rah, rah, rah. Now, there are some times where I got to tell people to get their heads out of their butt, but that's not me, you know, basically bringing the hype train. It's just me saying, hey, look, it's, it's being real. But like, look, there's some amazing coaches, uh, Todd Durkin. I mean, this guy has got more energy than uh, I can ever imagine. And this guy does an incredible job and he's incredibly successful. Martin Rooney, another energy guy, right? These guys have done an incredible job. They can pack a room and get you all fired up. There's nothing wrong with that. That is just not me. So when I say energy, I do, it, it doesn't mean you have to be yelling, right? But you should be sharp. You should be paying attention. You should be in tune with uh, with what your client's doing. And, and uh, I forget where I heard this, but it's like wherever your client is, you know, on a scale where wherever they are, you're always sort of make sure that your energy is sort of one notch above theirs, right? Make sure that you have a little bit more than them, because if they came in and they're all hung over and they feel like crap and, you know, they're just happy they made it. And you're like, are you ready for this? This is what we're going to do today. And they're going to be like, can you just shut up? I have a headache. Right. So like mm-hmm. you need to read, you know, they say, read the room, you got to read the client. So, um, bring bring the energy but bring the right amount of energy so it's not obnoxious right bring bring a little bit more energy than your client is bringing and and make sure that you're one step ahead of them but um you know you just got to you got to be likable and you got to be uh you have to be an individual that people want to spend time with so um make sure that you're sharp and you're dialed in and that's just a big part of of being a good coach is just is bringing the right energy if you're if your client student
1: is feeling like they're having to drag you through the workout, yep. that's a problem. Yep. Um, now on the flip side of that, I don't drag anybody through a session. I'm similar to you, Mike, in that I'm not a rah-rah uh, person. Yeah, I've joked for a long time. You want to show up 10 minutes late, spend 15 minutes foam rolling, tell me about your golf game, grandkids, and we get about 30 minutes of actual work in? Okay. It's your hour. Like I'm not. Uh, I, now, when the results conversation kicks in we'll talk about mm-hmm. the half time that we've been putting in but uh you know i'm i'm good uh but i'm also i'm I'm gonna we're, we're gonna laugh we're gonna joke i'm gonna bring we, there is gonna be that notch above energy that uh you know when it's time to demo something it's it's demoed well and it's demoed sharply and you know it's not like oh hang on let let me let me I, I get all my dad noises out. Uh, let me, let me get over to this and show you how to do it. Um, it's pop up, do it, show some energy. So uh,
0: be, be a, be a, be the best part of their day. Absolutely. Um, number six, good old Axel Rose always said, all we need is just a little patience. And uh, when you're, when it comes to working with your clients, um, patience is incredibly important because People want results yesterday. <laughs> they want to sign up and they want their results as quickly as possible. Um, and that that can be tough. So you have to constantly remind people, I, I always use some sort of analogy like this, Hey, look, you've been training with me for x amount of you know months, three months, six months a year, whatever it is. So there's no way three months of of consistent exercise can compete with five years of a sedentary lifestyle. It's gonna take time. So be patient with the process and be real with the process. I have to tell people all the time. I was working with a a client the other day and she was talking about, um, this was another uh, sort of ACL return to play scenario. And she was talking about, I want to get back and play because I have this coming up and I go, what's more important, this thing that's coming up or having a long athletic career down the road. And I'm not saying that if you play in this thing, you're going to get injured, but it's my duty as a coach to make sure that you understand all of the all of the intricacies of your decisions. Because if you rush and you try to return too quickly, and if you re-injure that same side or injure the or injure the opposing side, you're going to sit there and go, "I wish I didn't try to play a month early." So that's a big part of it. It's just to be patient and take your time. And it you can't get in shape fast and you don't get out of shape fast. It's just how it is. So, um, you gotta be patient and you gotta, again, you gotta plan it. And, um, that's honestly a big part of when I do consultations with people is I'm very real with them. And I'm like, look, if you, you know, people say this all the time, when can I expect to see results? Well, I said, what results are you looking for? I said, feeling better and having more energy, probably within a week, losing 20 pounds it's going to take a lot longer than that. So, uh, you know, just practice, uh, practice patience. And that's a big part of it because it's going to take time. And look, if you are exercising regularly, you understand that it's a journey. Like there is no, I'm there. I'm this completed finished product. You're not going to get to the point one day you go, I'm it. I've done all the exercising, that is necessary for me to live a healthy lifestyle. I've checked exercise off the list. It doesn't work that way. Um, So just be patient, take your time. Um, You know, it's just, you're not going to have, you're not going to have killer workouts all the time. I I forget who said it, but I always, I I love using this idea of using the rule of thirds when it comes to your training sessions, a third of the time you're going to have a killer session. Another third of the time it's going to be okay. And that last third, it's going to be crappy. So if you go into your week Knowing that there may be one session, if you train three times a week, that isn't going to go great. That's okay. That's just part of life. So plan on a bad session. When you plan on a bad session, it's not the end of the world when it hits because you know, it's going to happen and it's going to happen eventually. Um, so just be patient and, uh, and practice patience. It's a lot, it's a lot harder. <laughs> it's a lot harder uh, than we say it is. Cause we're just saying, Oh, just be patient. But yeah. I'm the most impatient person in the frigging world. So for me to tell people to be patient, it's, it's pretty damn ironic. Yeah. I, I
1: would pair with patience. I would pair grace. Uh, you need to give yourself some grace. Um, you know, a, a lot of times we, we get into this idea of somebody feeling like they failed uh, because of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, sometimes ted lasso is is the right direction to go you know big whoop. like well i did this and it didn't work well, okay yeah moving on like be a goldfish we, we tried that be a goldfish you know three ten second memory whatever it is um i i think um and i and i talk about it in the in the book um you know if you always give yourself an out or you never give yourself an out both of those are the wrong direction but every now and then you just need a little bit of grace to say, this didn't go the way I planned it. So let's move forward and change plan a little bit. So patience and grace are a good uh, a good partnership.
0: Absolutely. And that leads to experience because if you want to be the the best at something, you're going to have to gain a lot of experience. And how do you gain experience? It's through years and years and years of doing something, which takes patience. So uh, they're definitely connected and and, and intertwined. But um, you know, one of the things that I see all the time is is people saying, you you know, I'm I'm this type of coach or I'm this type of coach. And um, if you want to be a niche coach, right? If you want to get into training fighters, or you want to be a baseball guy, or you want to be a kettlebell guy. Awesome. Nothing wrong with that, but be a good generalist, be a savage, savage generalist first that book range. That's what it's all about. Being a savage generalist, be good at a lot of things, be a general contractor, be, have the ability to do all of it. And then eventually if you want to be known for a niche, you can start to work towards that, but you need some baseline knowledge before there, before that. And it just takes time. When I started training fighters and this was 10 years ago, um, over 10 years ago, I didn't know much about Training fighters. I didn't really know anything. I had read a bunch, um, I had seen a bunch. I didn't know much, so I used to drive to Boston every week in Somerville, Situ Tong, Boston, where basically I sort of I got my start with a bunch of fighters, um, and I would just watch them train every single week, just because I wanted to see what they were doing and I wanted to see what the practices look like. And then you know, not too long after that, I decided, hey, I really I love training fighters. I want to really learn more. And that's when I started jujitsu because I wanted to make sure that I had an appreciation of what they were putting their bodies through. So that's why um, I decided to, to, to take on jujitsu because I wanted to be that much better of a coach because I understood it more. So I think experience goes a long way. I mean, look, Brett has been swinging kettlebells and teaching kettlebells for a very, very long time, a lot longer than I have. Um, you know, if you want to learn how to be a good kettlebell instructor, go see Brett Jones. If you want to learn how to you know, do a eight week transformation challenge and to get your body fat as low as possible. Brett, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not that guy. 1000% please don't come to me for that. (laughs) That's so, but that's, that's a beautiful thing because I think as we get older in, in our professions, we know what we're good at, but we know what we're not. And I think that's a big part of it. Like you know it's funny i used to kind of i always used to joke at these transformations that i saw because 90% of the time it's dehydration lighting and tanning but um look at my fighters we do transformation challenges 3 to 4 times a year <laughs> i mean it's not on purpose the goal is not the transformation challenge but When you have to, you know, train someone and get them to the point where they're cutting a bunch of weight and they're going to only be at that weight for a little bit, that's a transformation. It's just not, it's not healthy when you dehydrate yourself and lose 10% of your body weight in water. I mean, so look, here's the message. If you want to be good at something, get really good at something and can continue to refine it. And then eventually you can coach other people on how to be good at that thing. But if you can't, if you don't have success, like Brett, before, before I even did a kettlebell course. I looked up Brett Jones and I knew he knew what he was doing. And I knew that, Hey, if I just reach out to this dude, I'll probably get some good information. And, and it worked out quite well, but you know, like I said, if I went up to Brett and I said, Hey, I want to, you know, I, I want you to show me how to get a 10 pack of abs and this and that it, it wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been a good fit. So, um, there's nothing wrong with trying a niche and working towards a niche, but the biggest mistake people make is they go, I'm going to be an online transformation coach. All right, cool. Um, Have you transformed your own body? No. Okay, cool. Have you helped any other individuals transform their body? No. So don't call yourself a transformation coach until you have done it. Train some people for free. Try to find some people that that is their goal and they need the help. And you'll, you'll tell, you'll be able to tell pretty damn quickly if you're good at that or not. And at first you might, you might hit it out of the ball. You might hit it out of the ballpark. You may have an awesome transformation and guess what? The next one's a giant turd, not the individual, but the transformation. And then you may have a good one. And then you may have two turds, right? And then what's going to happen. You're going to sit there and go, well, how come it worked for some people? It didn't work for others. And that is where the magic happens because you can sit there and go, well, why didn't it work? And that's, what's going to make you a better transformation coach. Just the same reason why, you know, we always talk about this with kettlebells with Brett, when he you know, when he told me that I was a shitty kettlebell coach a long time ago, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to hear it at first, but it was the best thing that could have happened to me because it made me go, you know what? I thought I was good, but I kind of sucked and I need to get better if I want to become a decent kettlebell coach. And and I'm still grateful uh, for, for that every single day because um, it was a defining moment in my career. So thank you for busting my chops there, Mr. Jones. That's what I do. That's what's I what do I do want to. I do want to throw one caveat
1: in. Um, At one point, the most sought-after kicking coach in the NFL was a wheelchair-bound individual who had never kicked a ball. So every now and then, there are people now, how did this person develop the skills that made him the most sought-after kicking coach in the NFL? He, for whatever reason, he had a passion an obsession, a focus on understanding kicking, and reviewed hundreds of thousands of hours of film. Hundreds to thousands of hours, hundreds of thousands is a little hard to do. Um, but reviewed film, broke down the biomechanics, and understood kicking in a way that very few people who who always had the ability to do it never would, you know. This was somebody that couldn't, wheelchair bound. Um, I, it was he. I don't think he was quadriplegic. I think it was paraplegic. Um, and this individual just had this passion for understanding kicking, and it led to them being the most sought after kicking coach in the NFL. Um, this is a person that took a deep dive in a way that very few people ever had and um it led to some pretty tremendous success so sometimes uh and you know the question will come up internet forum debates will rage tears are shed friendships are lost um you know people yeah um does does a trainer need to have a six-pack to be a good trainer well i will tell you two things a i don't have a six-pack uh B, I never had. And the third thing, which I didn't promise to tell you, but I'm going to tell you now, I wouldn't have made it through my cancer treatment had I not had some extra weight on. Me. So the outward appearance that you're expecting because we've been conditioned to via magazines and and uh, social media and, and uh, whatever, movies and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's not, uh, that's not reality. Um, so yes, you need to have experience. Uh, when somebody comes to me and they say, I, I want that 12, 8, 12 week transformation, I've never done it. I, I highly recommend you go work with somebody that has. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've that's not my thing. Um, do I understand fat loss? Do I understand rapid weight loss? Do I understand? Yeah, I, I I can put the pieces together, but it's it's not what I enjoy doing. So it's not authentic for me to sit there and 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 do that. So um it it can be a wider ranging conversation definitely have experience the last thing and i know we're running long here because you you let me run off at the mouth um part of experience is sharing your experience and the things we learn the most from are the challenges that we have i have gotten people over the years cuz they know i had a back surgery back in 2003 i've 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 dealt with that and ongoing have dealt with that they know I've had a knee surgery. They know I've had cancer. They know I've had um, these various challenges that have come about. And being open about and sharing those challenges give those individuals an opportunity to say, well, I I, I got something going on with my back. I know that Brett has had something with his back, and he, he'll, he'll probably understand a little bit more of what I have going on. Um, and so that's an important part of the experience piece as well, is sharing your experience. Um, and being, being a little vulnerable, being, being a little vulnerable, being a little empathetic, uh, being able to bring that, those experiences that are not always the most positive, positive things in the world, being able to bring those to the forefront can really help the person that you're working with.
0: Absolutely. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, um, because you're right. I mean, having the, the, the hands-on experience of doing something does help, but it doesn't mean that you're automatically qualified to be good at it because we see it all the time where you get. You know we see it in the strength and conditioning industry you get this this athlete that was a stud in the nfl and they're marketing the fact that this this individual was a stud in the nfl but they never coached and and to be brutally honest maybe they never couldn't and what i mean by that is not that they never couldn't coach but from an athletic standpoint they never had to work hard because they were genetically gifted some individuals just have that gift and it doesn't mean they're going to be a good coach quite often i would actually i would rather take the kid that struggled at an early age and that struggled in high school and middle school and even maybe even college and had to work 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 to compete with those genetically gifted individuals that knows what the struggle is like that individual in my opinion is probably going to be a little bit more understanding of of working with people that don't have those genetic gifts now depending at the le- you know the level that you're working with it's going to be very very different if you're working in the NFL you're already working with the best of the best. So, um, you know, there's a different strategy there and (laughs) we're not going to talk about that. But my point is, is that, um, what Brett was saying is, is, is dead on, right. Um, just because someone cannot necessarily do that thing, it doesn't mean that they're, they're not going to be good at it, but there are other ways to get good. It's just maybe a, a slightly different approach. So I really love that. Um, we get a few more here. We're going to try to bomb through these because it's, it's getting, uh, we're getting up there in time. Um, number eight, accountability. Um, Listen, that's what it boils down to. If you do, if you do not show up or your client does not show up, you can't get anything done. And, um, showing up is the first step, but it's not the only step because you can go to the gym seven days a week and do nothing. Or you could go to the gym two to three days a week and bust your butt and be productive and train hard and have a decent program and put the effort in. So accountability is huge. And, and you have to have that conversation with your client. That's one of the first things I talk about with my clients, whether they're going to be joining a group program or something else is, Hey, look, when are you going to train? If they go, I don't know. No, no, no. You need to look at your calendar. Cause I don't know is, is not going to work. Cause if you don't build it into your calendar, it's probably not going to happen because most people aren't going to go, yeah, I'll do it later and then actually do it later. Most of the time they just don't do it. So I think accountability is a huge part of it. And, and just making sure that um, you know, you're, you're holding your clients accountable and, and it's a reciprocal thing, right? It's a reciprocal relationship. It's a uh, accountability is a two way street. And uh, you know, it's got to be done through a combination of tough love and honesty and just having good communication. So um, that's just a big well, part and, of it. and And hold yourself to the same level and more of accountability.
1: Mm -hmm. You should be the first person to to show up and the last person to leave. Um, You know, I, part of it is my family background and things I saw growing up. Part of it is uh, having been an athletic trainer and and athletic trainers will recognize you're the first person to show up and the last person to leave and whatever needs done, needs done. I've seen you working on toilets in the middle of a SFG uh, certification because the toilet is (laughs) broken. Yeah, um, that was fun. Yeah. So if it needs done, it needs done. Like, and you, like, if I'm late for a call, I'm usually getting a call from my client going, Are you okay? Because I'm yeah. not late. Um, I, I, and I don't miss things. Um, yeah. now I'm human. Yes, I have missed things. Yes, I have made mistakes. But on, on in the grand scale of things, as far as accountability goes, do a pretty good job of checking the boxes, and and if I say I'm going to do something, it happens. And you want your client, you want your student knowing if you've said X, X is what happens. You don't want them thinking, yeah, well, you know, Brett said X, but boy, the last five times it's been P, Q, R, S, and T. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen. That's not. That's not being a professional. That's not holding yourself to accountability. And if you're expecting that from your student, from your client, what are you doing? Like your personal accountability really
0: matters. Anyway, moving on. Number nine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, number nine, I'm actually going to swap these a little bit, but when we talk about accountability, we have to talk about discipline. Um, Huge fan of Jocko Willink, Um, discipline equals freedom. And uh, I'm not saying you have to set your alarm for 4 a.m. and, uh, you know, do a bunch of burpees and kettlebell swings, and then show a picture of your watch every morning. But um, I do what uh, I do like what Jocko says. And 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 he's absolutely right, right? If you're disciplined, it, it, it frees up other opportunities and more time. So um, a discipline is a big, uh, a big component. And you have to do it in a very tactful way, right? Just treating your clients like crap and being like, why are you doing this for this? They're not going to stick around. But, you know, sometimes you just have to drop the hammer and give them a little bit of tough love and go, hey, look, like, you told me this was your goal. And you told me you wanted to put the work in, but we're just, it's, it's not happening. We need to make some changes. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be negative per se, but you just have to say, look, these are the things that we talked about and it's not happening. What can we do? Um, I have, that happens all the time. I mean, it happens all the time with athletes that I train. So discipline is a key is absolutely a key component and it definitely works together with accountability. And
1: in part of that combo of accountability and discipline, um, one of the only memes on the internet that I think is worthwhile. And it's, you know, there's, there's lots of different versions of it, but everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And regardless of how close you are to your student or client, they might be fighting a battle that you know nothing about. So when you run into these situations where somebody's lacking accountability, where somebody's lacking discipline, where you see them falling short, ask why before you start coming down on the person for not doing what you said to do or not doing what you said you were going to do, hey, I've noticed things have dropped off a little bit. You okay? Yeah. Just opening that door can be a huge deal because that person may be going through something that they just haven't shared with you yet. And that can be the difference maker in turning the corner for that person. And, and again, it's it's a little bit of grace. It's a little bit of of realism. Uh, and it's just that willingness, that empathy to say, you're you're missing the mark. you're okay yeah. like that's a huge moment for a lot of people.
0: And you might be the only person that has noticed or has even inquired and that could be a monumental moment in your relationship or maybe their confidence, right? of them saying, you know what, like, man, they, you know, my coach noticed that I, I haven't been myself. That's, that's pretty awesome. And they're pretty aware. They're pretty tuned into what's going on. And, um, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing when you can kind of read people like that. Um, My wife has this strange ability to read people like a book. I don't even know how she does it. I think she should, you know, start like a tarot card reading business or something. She can, the stuff that she's able to do, but, you know, look at the situation, communicate, you know, if you have to drop the hammer a little bit, make sure it's for a appropriate reason and you understand, you know, what the context is. Like if they're just being lazy, then cool, you can drop the hammer. But like Brett said, you have no idea. But anyways, last one, and then we're gonna we're gonna shut it down. Um, speaking in the positive, uh, if someone's deadlifting and it doesn't look it doesn't look great, I think telling them that it sucks is probably not the best approach. Um, but what you could do is say, hey, look do you mind if I give you a couple pointers? I think when you pulled off the ground, I noticed this and this, do you mind if I help you with this or we dial this in? So speaking the positive, right? If, if there is something that needs to be fixed, be positive about the situation. Just don't say that it sucks or it blows, or it's a terrible thing. And, and I've heard you say this, Brett, the compliment sandwich, right? Um, give them a compliment. That's the bread, tell them what they need to work on that are the meats and cheeses. Because you're not going to put vegetables inside a sandwich because then it's no longer a sandwich. It's more of a wrap. Anywho, and then we've got the other piece of bread. So the compliment sandwich is you just, you you surround the, uh, when I say negative part of the conversation, that's not what I mean, but you surround the area that needs improvement with a little bit of love. And that's a compliment sandwich. And uh, speaking the positive, because um, most people do not respond well to negativity. Um, most people want to tell you to go F themselves if that's the case. And, um, I, I literally haven't met anyone yet. That is like, if you speak to them and I've never done this, but I can't imagine being like you, blah, 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 beep, 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 beep. And then being like, okay, coach, I'll work harder for you now. Like that doesn't work. So, uh, speaking to the positive guys. And, uh, as we close, um, you know, I, I think the message here is, is twofold, right? Is one. If you want to be successful in this industry, retention is way more than way more important than acquisition because if you can retain a ton of clients, you don't have to worry about getting new ones. And then two, be a nice person because people are not going to want to hang out with you if you're a turd. And that's all I got.
1: Well, the retaining clients and getting client referrals is the secret to a good business. Mm-hmm. And if you're bringing a bunch of people through the door that don't stick around, they're not sending anyone to you because they've already been there, didn't have the experience that made them want to stay, so they move along. So you want to build a sustained business, do a good job, have that client retention, student retention, have that ability to get those referrals from those individuals and be able to say, yeah, well, Judy's been here for 11 years. She's she's doing great. Um, you know, be, be able to have those conversations and yes, be nice. Be nice.
0: Um, that is, uh, we'll, we'll go roadhouse rules on another. Uh, I, I have an idea for our infographic. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but um,
1: but, but yes. Um. So yes, be nice and um,
0: a little grace. A little that's grace it. Grace goes a long way. Well, Brett. Thank you as always, my friend, and to our listeners, thank you so much. If you could do us a positive, uh, if you could do us a big favor, I can't even speak today. I don't know what's going on with me. If you could do us a huge favor and give us a positive review in whatever platform you're listening to, that would be fantastic. And we will see you on the next episode. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.